The views and opinions of the guest and host you hear on 1010WOLB are not necessarily those of the staff and management of Radio 1, its sponsors, or advertisers. like to thank the people that are here to support this bill. Where y'all at? Okay. And I also would like to give thanks to all these petitioners, because we actually consulted the people in the neighborhood. We got there, you know, we wanted to know how they felt about what was going on in their communities. Unlike a lot of these agencies, we actually consulted the people in the communities. Okay. And we got almost a thousand names uh, on these uh, petition forms. Some of them are still out. So, and what the petition says is, to, uh, to Mayor Pugh, the Baltimore City Council, Governor Hogan, the Maryland State Legislature, and the U.S. Congress. Yes, I agree that we should, one, end the displacement of people from their neighborhoods and end the destruction of their communities just to give land and taxpayer subsidies to developers and investors. Two, introduce the, the 1% interest renovation slash rebuilding loan dollar house dollar lot program because the house will be built from the ground up for the individual citizen as a fairest way to ensure funds earmarked for the community are used to help the people who actually live there with training, jobs, and home ownership. Number three, end the destruction of the remaining affordable housing stock in Baltimore, a city with a documented lack of affordable housing. I've seen people walking around the streets scared to death. But you know what? If they live in a decent house, that they will eventually have a deed to they straighten up their back. They have a little bit of pride. If you see those brothers slinging on the corner, if they had a trade, they could know how to go and make a decent living and not have to run from the police. We have a murder rate of almost 300 young people in this city. Suppose somebody gave a tenth of them a job where they could take a paycheck to the bank and cash it for real dollars. And suppose me, a 68-year lady, doesn't have to worry, I got to get out of here before it gets too dark. Do you hear me? Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is real simple. Help the brother that's trying to help the rest of us. We got his back. And if you play your cards right, we'll have your back. We've got to be the, the, the lightning rod in this nation because every urban city in this country, through conspiracies, find themselves with thousands of abandoned houses don't tell me that's not by design. We've got to break out of that genocidal approach to people who want to live and have a right to, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Let there be no doubt. Justice delayed is justice denied. Hello, Baltimore. And welcome back to another exciting edition 
of the Call Tyrone Show. And I'm your humble host, Tyrone Boast, here to give you some more information in regards to what's going on in our community. Now, <coughs> um, the last few, week, few weeks, we, I've had a couple things happen in the last week, rather, since I, I uh, met with you before over the radio airwaves. And uh, one of them was <laughs> the town hall meeting. <laughs> okay. The town hall meeting um, happened at Cal State uh, College uh, or Cal, Cal, Cal State University, a, a historically black college in the black community. That's the significance of it. And we can't lose sight of that, that fact. Okay. So we're not dealing with uh, Towson. We're not dealing with a uh, uh, um, Loyola. You know, we're dealing with a historically black college in the black community that this town hall meeting was supposed to happen. And that's the biggest thing that troubles me about what transpired. Um, I had some stuff that I wanted to share with you, but um, uh, obviously uh, I'm not going to have, I don't have it with me today. I had left it uh, uh, on my desk, but I wish I had bought it. But it's good, really good stuff. However, I do have some, some other items that I did want to discuss that I haven't um, discussed on, on uh, other shows. The other thing that I attended was a Break the Cycle um, symposium. Uh, and I attended that at Whitestone Baptist Church. Uh, and that, that's located at 301 uh, Baker Street. And they're going to be going to different churches doing these, these things. So if anybody, and they had invited me from, at the town hall meeting because we had a, a gathering outside the, the town hall meeting, you know, because some people apparently found out what we were talking about was more interesting than what was going on on that stage. In some cases, so I, I had a, I had a very um, interesting, involved conversation with a group of people outside the building, and then they encouraged me to go inside and speak on the mic, and uh, which I did. I I went inside. I didn't get a chance to speak on the mic because they cut it off. Um, I, I think me and Mark C were standing in line together talking, and uh, we were having the debate, and um, uh, they cut it off when the youth got when the youth got to the front of the line. So some young people there, they were like sixteen or whatever, uh, fifteen. Uh, and they wanted to speak, and you know, eighteen, whatever. And uh, as soon as they got to the front head of the line, they they ended the program. And I, I was like, "Let the young people speak," you know. And I, I kind of lost it, <laughs> lost my composure, and I yelled, "Let the young people speak!" And they and they uh, they just cut it off, unceremoniously, <laughs> and dropped the mic on them. So you 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 got to figure these young people come out here, you know, they spend that time. They just got, they, you know, apparently they go to school during daytime. They come out in a little bit of spare time they got. You know, and they want to speak on issues that affect them in their community. They are the future, and nobody wants to hear them. So they try to get involved in civics and be civically responsible, but you don't want to hear them. Okay, we'd rather listen to somebody that's not in their shoes, never been in their shoes, and and, and consider them as experts, even though they never been, you know, lived on their street or in their neighborhoods. So we got to be very careful when we discount the young people, and just because they're young doesn't necessarily mean uh, people aren't wise. Now. As I said to many people before, when they, they start talking this age thing, you know, Dr. King was 34 years old when he gave the March on Washington speech. You know, people think Dr. King is an old man, you know, but <laughs> because of his wisdom. But he was 34 years old, you know, when he, he gave the, uh, the uh, um, I Have a Dream speech, you know, that led, led hundreds of thousands of people on the March on Washington, okay, at the age of 34. Um, Malcolm X, Megar Evers, they all died in their 30s. Martin Luther King, they all died in their 30s. These weren't old people. So we need the young people to step up. Uh, Fred Hampton, uh, lead of the uh, Black Panthers in, uh, in Illinois, you know, he had the ability to organize for whites, blacks, gang members. He had that ability, that unique ability. At age of, he was killed at the age of 21. 
So that's not not just discount people because they're young, and uh, that that irks me. And, and and by the way, at that time we had one of the youngest presidents, and you know, around that time in U.S. history was John Kennedy. Not that he did anything for us, but you know, age was no mark. You know, as far as him not you know, ascending to the presidency, and even in the case of Barack Obama. So just because you're old, you know, uh, uh, like uh, the White Eisenhower or something, that doesn't necessarily make you the, the wisest person in the world. Okay, or or, or Harry S. Truman. <laughs> <laughs> who was uh, a leader of the KKK, from what I understand. Um, all right. <laughs> so getting back to, uh, I guess, sidetracked. But getting back to what, what I was saying about, I got to um, some side debates. One of them was, was with um, uh, a white guy. We were talking, because uh, Commissioner Norris was on stage. And uh, while he's on stage, I have absolutely no idea. I actually came there to hear the mayor. I came there to hear the mayor. I, I came there to hear Brandon Scott. I, had, I came there to hear what they had to say. And I was kind of disappointed that they weren't there. And, uh, you know, you had all these middle class. It was Spring Lane. It was whites there, too. But was, you had a, a majority uh, black audience, which represent, it almost made up this representation of the city. 29% white, 60% black, and then others. So you had a sprinkling of, ball, of people. Even though it was in the black neighborhood, in a historically black college, you had a sprinkling of blacks and whites in that audience. And um, one of the things that Fraser said, he um, questioned the wisdom of the war on drugs. And a lot of uninformed people think that we should... Uh, continue the war on drugs. That's because they're uninformed. They don't understand how this thing works uh, to enforce racial uh, policies that are detrimental to black people. And um, one of the things I said to him, it was, okay, so I said they, they, they legalized, I said, you know, they legalized drugs in Portugal. And uh, they, you know, they were able to lower their uh, addiction rates in half. They cut their addiction rates in half. Their crime rates they were lowered. And hardly anybody gets infected with AIDS through intravenous drug use anymore in that country. I said at the same time we've had a uh, you know we've had a uh, a crisis with opium use you know because now they treat that as, as a medical issue as opposed to just locking people up you can't look people you can't cure people if I have a disease which uh, addiction is you can't cure me by putting me in jail it's not going to cure me you know if anything it might make me worse if I have a sickness so when I get out guess what I'm going to do when I get out first thing I'm going to do I'm going to get high again. So, and, and people don't understand that, yes, if you're selling drugs, you're in a drug gang, and you're committing all this violence, and they, yeah, your butt need to be in jail. But if you're simply an addict, you may be more in need of medical treatment. We've been trying this stuff for years, people. It doesn't work. It does not work. A drug, drug prohibition never worked in this country, nor has any prohibition. Alcohol prohibition didn't work. You had gangsters out here shooting each other with Tommy gun, you know, machine guns, gunning each other down the streets with machine guns, okay, back in the 30s when you had alcohol illegal. So... This country of all countries should know better that this stuff doesn't, this prohibition doesn't work. And drug policy, by the way, has nothing to do, when it was formed, had nothing to do with um, medical issues or anything. It had to do with racism. Um, marijuana was made illegal because of Mexicans. Cocaine was made illegal because they were fears that black men would get white women high and they would rape white women and they, they wouldn't know their place. Then you had um, opium was made illegal um, because you had cocaine in Coca-Cola in 1900. Cocaine was actually in Coca-Cola, put in Coca-Cola in 1900. The biggest use of cocaine back in the uh, 1910s and whatever were white women, older white women, because it relieved pain and things like that. Um, but when they found out that these Chinese workers were coming over from the old country in China and bringing opioid, op op opium uh, with them, it was made illegal because they were scared that these uh, Chinese would make white women sex slaves and get them hooked on opium. All this, all this policy, this drug policy was driven on, if you've done any race research, was driven purely on racism, not scientific, scientific fact, 
not any type of medical considerations. It was it was done for racism. And that's what we need to understand when we're when we're considering, um, you know, drug policy. And uh, a lot of people um, couldn't figure out why. That's why a lot of people couldn't figure out why Marilyn Mosley was doing what she was doing in regards to uh, marijuana. The fact of the matter is, is if you're locking up 95 percent, if 95 percent of the people that you're locking up are black (laughs) and white folks smoke marijuana, in some cases more than black people do, but uh, usually on a par with black folks. And you're not 95 percent of people you're bringing in are black people. You got a problem here, you know. And by the way. When we um, when this is why this is why I say we gotta be very careful when they start saying we have crime uh, uh, crime uh, crisis or crimes out of control and all that we gotta be very careful what with how we react we can't react you can't go into panic mode because they can use that to justify gentrification they can use it to justify illegal arrests and all kinds of things even killing people breaking their necks or whatever so you've got to be you gotta be conscious of the fact that yes the murder rate is too high but. It's no higher than it was in the 90s when you, from 1989 to, to 1999, you um, had murders um, 300, that exceeded 300 a year every year. So this, because they've done nothing new with the policy, you still have the same results. When you try nothing new, you have the same results. And uh, you cannot police your way out of this, this issue, especially if it's a, a medical issue. And so we went down to, you know, a lot of the preachers and all his pastors went down to Washington, D.C. during the nights and demanded that something happen of Bill Clinton. And so they came up with something called the Omnibus Crime Bill, which was written by Joe Biden. And uh, you ended up having massive, what resulted was mass incarceration. You know, you had 2.3 million people in jail, more people in jail than China, more people in jail than Russia, and repressive regimes like India, more people in jail in the United States based on um, what was going on with um Mainly arrests for marijuana. You have more people arrested for marijuana. Think about this. Marijuana is legal in a lot of states. You have more people arrested for marijuana possession, not not dealing, possession in the United States than all the violent crimes combined. The people were concerned about the violent crimes, but they weren't arresting people in large numbers for the violent crimes. They were arrested for marijuana possession. And uh, in one case, you had a guy, he was in a, in, a, um, in a projects in New York. He went behind the projects. He was, he was a college student. And they picked him up, and he didn't have, they put him in the paddy wagon. He had no marijuana on him. But then they caught another guy that had two joints in his pocket, and they gave him one, and the other guy one, and, and gave him both marijuana charges because police are incentivized to make arrests. So it doesn't matter if you're guilty to the police, to a crooked police officer, it really doesn't matter if you're innocent and guilty. And I know people that had drugs playing on them, you know, so it's not a, it's not a thing of anybody's imagination. It's not make believe. Yes, some of those people are guilty, but I know people that have had drugs playing on them personally. So, you know, that's the danger of assuming that you can um, solve a problem that's a medical issue with, um, with, uh, legal, by legal means. Um, let's bring Gene up. Oh, and by the way, before we bring Gene up, by the way, there are 800,000 people in jail right now for uh, marijuana. For marijuana. 800,000 people. That's a lot of damn people, especially when marijuana is legal. And most of those people, those are what I keep telling you, are black people. This is what Marilyn Mosley was talking about. Got to be very careful with drug policy when it just affects us and it doesn't affect other people. White kids are let go when they're caught, okay, or they're not even prosecuted. So you got to be very careful. When if, if I'm Marilyn Mosley, and I'm not a, I'm a man, but if I was the uh, state's attorney, you bought, and everybody you bring to me are black people that smoke marijuana, I would say I'm not doing that either. I'd have to be a fool, an idiot, or a coward to prosecute those cases. Uh, okay, let's bring Gene up. Uh, how you doing, Tyrone? All right, Gene. 
Yeah, good. So what I'm hearing from you is nothing but the truth. But I, I have a question for yeah, you. Yeah, but Al, but, but, but Gene, a lot of people that haven't been informed or have, have done no research, they think that what I'm saying is, is asinine. Yeah, you well, know, but what they're doing is really what they're doing is asinine. Just like housing policy, mm-hmm. it hasn't changed since the days of James Baldwin. Now, pick James Baldwin, who uh, um, debated William Buckley in mm-hmm. the um, uh, Cambridge uh, Union debate and won without any college education. Right, right. You know, he he said that urban renewal back in 1963 was Negro removal. Urban right. renewal right. is Negro, Negro removal. So right. nothing's changed. That's why you know they tore down all these houses. Has the murder rate dropped? No, because it's ineffective policy. It has nothing to do with what, what the root cause of what's going on is. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Because you're, you know, you're right on point. And I brought it up again this morning uh, on the other show. And, and I asked Coach a reference to what probable cause is. And so most of the arrests that you're talking about, uh, they didn't meet the test of the law in reference to pop probable cause, which is the Fourth Amendment. Right. And that's the, this is the confusion people have with... With Marilyn Mosby, I think she has a, a 94% conviction rate, but but a lot of it is pleading. But right. if you don't have enough evidence, or if you got crooked right. cops, you have no choice but to plea or let exactly. the person go. Yeah. That's what but people again, don't understand. It's like you can't, they're blaming it on her, but it's the crooked cops that bear the blame and the responsibility for all these, these criminals walking free that have engaged in violent crimes. I have no problem with criminals going to jail for violent crimes. Okay? Yeah, uh, they need to be in jail. But yeah. when you talk about knocking somebody up for, for marijuana, that is mm-hmm. asinine. Right. And again, it's just because the police think you had some marijuana on you, or you or you arrested before you had someone right. on you. Therefore, you must have some on you now. That's that is totally right. Hard. Yeah, and this is the other thing they would do. They would conduct an illegal search, and nobody's gonna believe the criminal. They're gonna believe the police because oh, the police never lie. And uh, they'll they'll lean on the uh, moral um, right. the, the moral integrity of the police that the judge will. So yep. the, the police with the police and the police know this. So what they'll do. Right is they'll search you any damn way. They'll conduct an illegal search without your permission, and pl- and find marijuana, and, and or plant on you. In some cases, right. they're, they're really bad, and they try to make that quota for the amount of arrest. Say, or they say they, they smelled it Or they smelled it, yeah. Now, if they say they smelled it, that's enough to search. You know, that's probable cause. I that, smell that marijuana. Not, but it that's really, what, it isn't probable cause. Well, to, to, to the average citizen that don't understand how these things work, it is. Yeah, so okay, yeah. that's, that's, what, that's what the danger is. We, we are led to believe that. Right. The danger is when we assume that all cops are honest. Most cops are, I would say. But when we assume that all of them are, and we come, we had all these but, corrupt cops arrested. But, but, what, but what happens to the even the honest police? They even be, they make the mistake of what truly is probable cause. They don't understand probable cause. That's why we have the dissent degree, and 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 ha- just having the dissent degree, you know, is it tells you that they looked at this and they see that they have been so many unconstitutional uh, arrests which means unconstitutional means that is in violation of the fourth amendment jason yeah. we're gonna go to truth and con- con- reconciliation after this conversation but, but go, i'm sorry um no, number 66 i believe or somewhere near that mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know Tyron, i just want to bring that in because uh, I, I hear so many people saying that uh, they must be guilty. They must have right, right, wrong, right. And I'm gonna tell you something, Gene. I had a brother. They wouldn't run. I had a brother. This is this is to all people that say um, they must be guilty. Now I experienced this myself, so I'm not talking about other people's experience. Well, I had a brother. Fred, we saw Freddie Gray. Not to cut you off. Right. Go ahead. Right, right. But some people, some are guilty, but not all of them. My yeah. brother was arrested for um, stabbing somebody. Right. Right. This is a work hard working man. He's a Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witness. I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. He's the only person. You know, <laughs> my family aren't Jehovah's Witnesses, but he's a Jehovah's Witness. Okay. And um, somebody got stabbed um, near the Lexington Market, and um, they um, arrested him for that crime. 
You know, he was, I guess he was on the um, uh, any Negro would do list or whatever. They arrested him for the crime yeah. and charged him. And he spent yeah. uh, like 11 months in jail. We had a lawyer and everything. We yeah. paid We paid his bills while he was in jail, took care of his daughter, you know, things of that nature. Right. And, um, um, okay, so we we were fortunate enough for him, we were able to afford a lawyer that could pull those um, films out of, out of the CityWise camera, okay? Now, this is the beauty of cameras. You can't lie, you know, with, with cameras. Are, uh, you can lie, but it's up to you to convince that person not to believe his lying eyes. Mm-hmm. So if they're stupid enough not to believe it, then you're in trouble. But right. in this case, the guy didn't even look like my brother. You know what right. I'm saying? The guy that actually did the stabbing. Sure. And my brother was nowhere near that. It happens all the time. Where right. The, the guy is six feet tall. They are wrestling. Right. Five, five feet, <laughs> so seven. here's he's the thing. The guy who, who, that wasn't who, enough. That was enough. Was, we gave them. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. No, the we guy gave him. Dark, we yeah. gave him the film. We gave them the film. Okay. Right. They still wanted to hold him. Right. And I threatened that I would take that film to any news outlet, you know, whatever. Foxway, any news outlet that would take it. And they, they finally, oh, don't do anything. We'll look at the film. So they looked at the film. They let him go that weekend. And my and his lawyer called him called me up and said, look, you need to come get your brother. They let him go. Only because I threatened them. They didn't want to be embarrassed. They, they'd rather have an innocent man sitting in jail for nothing than to be embarrassed by the media or they lose their damn job. So I, I had to hit him where it hurts, you know. Yeah, my, yeah I just want to mention one other thing. Because my time, I know my time is, is limited. But in reference to, let's say, the, the, the 12th Amendment, we talk about the electoral college. We literally would have to do away with how we elect the president, which is the 12th Amendment, to get rid of the electoral college. I yeah. get all sorts sort of absurdity. Whenever you open up the uh, Constitution to constitutional convention is what you're talking about. Right. Everything's on the table, yeah. even the 13th Amendment. Right, you know so what I'm saying? Talking, so, 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 so we got to be very careful with that. The other thing is when people talk about this eye, uh, sky in the eye or eye in the, eye sky. Eye in the sky, they don't understand the Fourth Amendment implications. When you start setting precedents, you know, where you're weakening an amendment like the Fourth Amendment, which is very important to us, then you got you to be very careful of the benefit versus sure. the bad things that can be done when you weaken right. it. You know, and, and yeah, if it works for you, fine, that minute, in that minute, but later on down the line, they might use it against you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what you find. I'm sorry. We, well, no, it's okay. We go, so we call Donald Trump a fascist, but then with the eye in the sky, remember, you know, the, uh, they're, they're the guys who wear the black hats and the guy who guys who wear the white hats. Right. right? And so and the everybody black ain't hats, thinking that way. You just can't catch the black guys with the black hats without seeing the guys with the white hats c- committing the crime. That's what, to me, that's one of the reasons they don't want eye in the sky. You know, in addition well, to... Well, I had a very deep conversation with a guy, uh, with a brother. He believies in it because he feels like it would reduce crime. Yeah. But and then we were at a conference and I said, well, you got to understand the intelligence the history of the intelligence community and the black community. Right. Exactly. Well, you had uh, the FBI Cold. trying to encourage Dr. King to commit suicide. Yeah. You had uh, the FBI trying to bribe Ma- Malcolm X sure. and interfering with his relationship sure. between Ar- the Honorable uh, Elijah Muhammad. You had um, the FBI um, uh, laying out Fred Hampton's uh, um, apartments when they, when they shot him in, while he was sure. sleeping. They did the whole layout. So they did the but whole that, layout that, that, with, that's, with that's, the that's, FBI informant. But people, that's Co-Intel Co- Pro. Co-Intel Pro. Now, now, that, now, that's what he told me. He said, oh, that's back in the past. And I said, no, it's not because... No, COINTELPRO is right going on right now. Right. Well, what I said was there were FBI documents. I, I try to deal with facts. I ain't trying to BS nobody. I said there were um, there were things just recently released where the FBI was sp- spying on Black Lives Matters. Black Lives Matters organization. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to see if they were trying to um, get people to... to um, because they believe they were trying to get people to kill police. Which is ridiculous. I mean, to us in the black community, we understand that that's totally ridiculous. But they actually, while they were spying on, they called them um, black identity extremists. And while they were spying on them, you had you had white nationalists killing uh, white women, running them over cars and everything else. 
and showing up in, in uh, medieval gear, beating down people in South right. Carolina and shooting nine people in a church. Yeah, Those but, are but people even, they need to be looking at, not yeah, the Black Lives Matter uh, people. Yeah, I know. But even you say, you know, you, we, we use the term white nationalist and then we use the term black nationalist. The difference is uh, white nationalists are anti-race mixers. Right. They're, they're all are, race we, hatred. We, we, black nationalists are, are just freedom race, fighters. We are race mixers. Right, we, we 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 don't look at other people in a, at, at like white people look at black people. Right, and, and the racial issue, Gene, you just made a good point, is up to white people to solve. We don't, yeah. we don't. You're right. We white people don't. We don't say, oh, white person just moved into my neighborhood. Right, I got to move out. But let me finish. In. Let me finish. We do not say this, and I want somebody to call me and say we do. We do not. The phone number is four one zero four eight one ten ten four one zero four eight one ten ten. I want somebody to call me and say that we actually engage. And um, when a white person move in, uh-huh. we say, oh, a white person moving in, but we're moving out. But they do that with us. Yes. They do that with us. It's that been proven time and time between, again. Yeah, that's the difference between the white, uh, uh, white, you know, white nationalism and black nationalism. We, we, are, uh, we, we, we welcome other people. It's not in our DNA. Uh, that racial hatred is not in our <laughs> DNA. But it's racial it's, hatred helps support white supremacy. That's why it's right. important to them and their yeah. privilege in society. Yeah. So, and they don't want to lose that. The selfish white people, they're good ones that understand that principle. Yeah. But the okay. selfish ones do not want to lose that white supremacy. And the super rich people, just like in slavery, they use that racism against the unintelligent exactly. white people to, to divide and conquer. Yeah. So poor people, poor whites are being oppressed, too. They just don't get it because they're so busy. I think uh, President Johnson put it this way. As long as you can convince the lowest white person that they're better than the, the best black man, you can pick their pockets all day long. Yeah, you, man, we could go back to... Um uh, uh, All right, Gene, we got to finish it up. I was just going to mention sharecroppers. I'll let you talk because you know what you're talking about. The average yeah, person called here, I guess. Yeah, 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 with sharecroppers because still white people and black people who were sharecroppers got along very much well. You know, Have a good day, Tyrone. All right, sir, uh, thanks for chiming in. Yeah, the All dollar, right, we the got dollar some house callers. program and the update us on the dollar house program. Right, we're we going to do that. We got, we got some uh, more calls coming up. But before we get to you, calls, uh, patients, we're going to go over what I just spoke on about this drug policy in the United States. And why it's so detrimental. Uh, so let's go to um, truth and reconciliation. Uh, Jason. When you dig down into the usage data, interesting things come out. So while drug use is roughly equal across racial categories, when you look at, say, 18 to 25-year-old white males, or, or males, and then look at black and Latino Hispanic, white males are far more likely to be using marijuana than are Hispanics and blacks. And yet in New York City, roughly 85% of the people who are arrested for possession are black and Latino. Those numbers aren't only in New York City. Anywhere you go in this state, including here in Broome County and Binghamton, you'll see these types of disparities. This is a huge problem. This has led to a destruction of communities across this country that we're not yet talking about. This has created a scenario where you have laws that are applied differently to different people based on the color of their skin. You know where else they did that? Apartheid South Africa. And I don't mean to be hyperbolic here, but the problem that we face is severe. What if we were to incarcerate white people the same rate that we do black folks? White folks are incarcerated. There's about 750,000 white people in prisons and jails right now. There's about 890,000 black folks, but the rates are different. The white rate is 380 for black folks is 2,207. If we were to incarcerate incarcerate white people the same rate we did black folks, there would be 4.3 million white people in prison. And I can assure you that I would probably be one of them. I'm not making light of that. I'm saying that in my, in my life, I've come into contact enough with the criminal justice system, including during my years of meth use, that I, and I made it out of that without getting funneled into this system. I'm fairly certain that I would have been had we been treating things equally. Clearly, this is not the kind of equal outcome that we want to pursue. The second thing that we should do is put together a truth and reconciliation commission 
to deal with the legacy of mass incarceration in the United States, particularly the legacy of the impact on communities of color and specifically the impact on black communities. We cannot just go ahead and start reforming laws and not account for the fact that for 40 years we've been doing something that has led to disproportionate outcomes and we didn't do anything about it. And that those outcomes, people with criminal records, people with longstanding uh, uh, rap sheets, people where their father has gone off to prison and that's happened in entire communities where nobody's got a father anymore because they're all in jail, that has generational consequences. It's the reason why Michelle Alexander says it's the new Jim Crow. It's the reason why you have to look for something like apartheid to find something that's even remotely comparable. Okay, so this is what um, this is what uh, Marilyn Mosby is doing when she's saying that she's not prosecuting the marijuana cases. Got to understand that these things are not equal. They're not just. It's, it's you're applying the law to people based on their race, to put it bluntly. And I, like I said, this guy that just spoke, his name is uh, his name is Gabriel Sabria. He's the New York State Director of the Drug Policy Alliance, and he's a former drug addict. He knows what he's talking about. Never been arrested, but he's a former meth head. Okay, so he knows exactly what he's talking about. And he's not. He's a white guy. He's not sitting there BSing us like a lot of people do when it comes to drug policy. Okay, let's go to Charles. Good, Charles. Yes, how you doing? All right, sir. Good morning. All right. Uh, my question is, um, if this is racially motivated, why don't we have civil rights lawyers dealing with this, the EEOC, or somebody that deals with racial discrimination? Because we're supposed to have equal rights. We're supposed to have equality. Because, right. because most civil rights, people in the civil rights community are so busy fighting the civil rights um, issues of the past that they don't get what mass incarceration at all. They understand. They're thinking, okay, so oh, you shouldn't smoke marijuana. That's why you got locked up. Not realizing that you have people like Barack Obama that smoke marijuana, George Bush smoked marijuana, plus he did cocaine. You have um, a lot of this is people that just never got caught. They've done the crime. They just they just never got caught. So you have an issue, and not only that, you have some issues. Some some cases where whites are caught with marijuana and released. You know, that's, I catch you. I'm, I'm going to tell your parents. You think right. people? Do you think people in Utah and places like Idaho with no black people, hardly any black people live, don't smoke marijuana, do drugs? No, yes, but that's do. not or that's not what I'm saying. I, I still don't understand. If we have a civil right, all right, we have civil rights commission. We 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 have civil rights laws. Correct. We're supposed to be voters. You were supposed to be part of the system. So why isn't? This working for us is civil rights being ignored. Yes, is civil yes. rights just a joke. Yes, because like I said, the police have to bring you in. Okay, now as long as they bring you in and you done something to break the law, you can be arrested for it. Don't matter how many white people they bring in; they can pick and choose who they bring in. You know what I'm saying? So that's how they get around it. Yes, because of things like the your army no, no, must come. They get around it because nobody's prosecuting ma- them. Exactly. Well, the matter of fact, the the you know, the owner omnibus crime bill was written by Joe Biden. And result in all this was was done at the urges of black people because they didn't understand how. Well, what law about all the black attorneys? We never hear from black attorneys. Well, the civil rights. The I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The us. civil rights community. You ask me about the civil rights community. They're the ones that pushed the omnibus crime bill, not realizing how it can be circumvented and used against black people and people of color. They don't. But, they, yeah, they, they don't they're not sophisticated one, enough to understand that. One instance. We, we're talking about years it's, it's, and generations. It's one instance, but it enacted laws that ended up the rest of millions of people just so for where's, marijuana. Where's the counter? If we got this whole civil rights culture, where they're the ones the that asked for it. They're the ones that asked for it because they wanted to reduce. No, no, vi- we're asking for it. Okay, we all right, people, Jason. They're Jason, supposed to be Jason. represented. Are asking for representation. Uh, okay, let me let me break this down to you. 
The civil rights community is, are the people that ask for the omnibus crime bill, not understand, not being sophisticated enough to understand how the laws can be. You can um, you can uh, involve yourself in what's called selective policing. You can decide who you want to pick. You're not going to go out to Roland Park and arrest the judge's son for marijuana. No, you're going to go to these um, underprivileged black communities and arrest somebody there because uh, poor people, you know, as a rule, are oppressed legally anyway. And, um, yes, the civil rights people actually asked for these harsh laws, but they were fighting. They wanted to fight violent crimes. But the result was you had more people arrested for marijuana than all the violent crimes combined. They weren't arresting people for murders. Those are people who need to be arrested. I'm not saying that you should not get arrested for stealing or murder. What I'm saying is you should get arrested for marijuana or, or, or drugs, which is really a sickness. You should be, it should be a medical. It should be just like in, in um, Portugal. They took the money they spent on police and, and, uh, and they put in drug treatment and getting jobs for people and mental health things to figure out what was wrong with them. Okay, let's bring Ernest up. And they cut that dish race in half, by the way. Hey, At the same time, I went up. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Iris. Yeah. Uh, before I get to the, the, the your main topic, nobody has said anything about uh, Detective John Suda. Why is black people uh, quiet about Detective John Suda? Marilyn Mosby dropped all his cases, including the homicides that he was investing, because he was involved with that gun trace task force. Right. Okay, but Marilyn Mosby had no choice because, and I'm not saying you're knocking her. What I'm saying is, she actually, for the other people, that always don't get it. She has no choice but to drop these these yeah, uh, I know, I know, cases man. because you can't use tainted evidence against anybody if they are criminal. Yeah, because if they can use it against criminal, they can use it against you. Yeah, so got to be very the, careful. Even if the homicide information is good evidence, she still has to drop it. As, absolutely, and nobody wants, including me, wants homicide uh, criminals, homicidal maniacs walking the streets of Baltimore. But so, the, but she has no choice, the, people. The, the point, the point yeah. I'm making, is that if he was involved with this gun trace task force and could get 25 years in a penitentiary, that's probable cause that he committed suicide and tried to get some money from for his family because otherwise he wasn't going to get any money. And I don't think they still haven't paid him. But all the people. But the that, other scenario, Ernest, is that uh, he could have possibly. They probably felt he was going to produce evidence to save his own hide. Uh-uh. They already had the evidence, man. Yeah. Read the IRB report, that, that special report. They already had the evidence. When he was dead, okay, if he had to produce evidence, why is it that all the rest of those police, after he died, was found guilty in court? Well, I'll tell you this. I was listening to, um, and I don't know if he's right or wrong. I was listening to, um, what's the gentleman's name? Um, the old police with Davis. On another station, on Red, Redneck Radio, because I listened to them too, and it, and he said that he believes it's a homicide based on other police calling him and telling him certain things. So if he's he said that publicly after he was out of the police department, of course. Who? What was his name? It was Kevin Davis. Kevin Davis said that on. Kevin on, Davis. Yes, he said that on on uh, uh, well, on uh, on white right wing radio. Well, guess he said, why he said I, it. I heard it. He said guess, that. Guess why he said it? I can tell you why. He okay, said well, it. I'm just saying that he said it. Now, let me tell you why he said it. Why? Because if he knew that was a homicide and he shut down that whole neighborhood and people couldn't get in and get out uh, of their houses. Right, took, right. It was disgraceful. It was disgraceful. They weren't well, guess what? That. He would be sued and could be arrested for that. 
So it's in his interest to say it was. Okay, a, a all right, let's get off of that. This is all hypothetical. I hear what you're saying, Ernst. I'm torn between the but two. But it's a lot of it's a lot yeah. of police. Yeah, and, we and, don't know and people that we know. Right. That said it was a suicide. Too. Right, right. That both ways. I heard it both well, ways. But, but go to your go to, to your issue that you but, want to talk about. But a lot of the topics you bring out are real good, and a lot of people don't talk about it. Now, they, you had a question that well, why don't the civil rights judge Tony? said black people have no rights that a white man need respect and that's still on the that was the that was the um oh god the um was that slave that was trying to get his freedom he sued for his freedom uh oh uh, god uh, 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 I, I know what you're talking about yeah. it was on the train uh oh god hold on uh, a second um no it's the slave the slave the, the guy the, uh, uh he was he had went to the north and he had went to the south with his master and um he claimed his freedom based on the fact that he was he was in a free. Yeah, yeah, uh, he was in the north. In the north at the time, and uh, and that's exactly what Judge uh, Taney said. It was yeah, Dred Scott, yeah. the Dred Scott decision. Yes, Dred Scott. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry, I, I had a brain fart. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> but everybody Dred, knows about Dred, that. Dred Scott decision. Yeah, it was a Dred Scott and it's decision. Still on, it's still on the books today. Well, and but the Fourteenth Amendment kind of nullified that by saying every, all persons born in the United States have equal rights under the law. If you read the Fourteenth Amendment, so actually, if you go by the Fourteenth Amendment, it's no longer valid. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, if, if 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 that's the case, why is it that these white police are still killing black men? Because they're in violation of constitutional children, law. <laughs> and, and not being prosecuted for exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. They're that, in violation of what's called constitutional policing. You have rights under the Constitution. They're violating those rights. I don't, and they're not I, being prosecuted. I don't think black people really have rights under the Constitution. Well, well okay, the theory is that we do, and that's our only protection. Well, it's the theory is that yeah. we do, but in reality, we don't. Okay, I, mean, we, the, the, I guess the, the reality... Does Freddie Gray correct. have a constitutional I guess, right? In, in execution, in execution, we don't seem to have it. Yeah, but, yeah, but Freddie Gray was... But, the, the dissent decree, Ernest, the dissent decree, and we can argue this all day long, we can debate all day, the dissent decree was based on the Constitution. It's based on Constitution policing. That certain things you can't, you can do certain things to people when you're arresting them, when you're imprisoning them, you have certain rights against cruel and unusual punishment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all based on the Constitution. It's not because they like you, they're right, wrong, it has to do with the Constitution. Well, and the same thing when, um, what's the guy, Thurgood Marshall, when he's arguing cases on behalf, when he's a lawyer, when he's arguing cases on the, to the Supreme Court, on behalf of the um, so the um, NAACP, it was based on the Constitution. Never, not whether or not it was right, wrong, or whether white people like you or hated you. It was purely based on whether the Constitution accepts it. So that's yeah. our biggest protection. We got to stay away from saying it don't apply to us, but we got to make it apply to us. He he was Charles Hamilton Houston's uh, protege. He was who? Charles Hamilton Houston's okay. protege. He's from Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. Thurgood Marshall and, and, and he was a, he was the law professor over at Howard University. Right. Right. Yeah. But okay, Ernest, we're gonna have to move on. Let me on. just make one make, more. Yeah. Point. Make your final conclusion because it's got the phone okay. lines are loaded. People waiting. Okay. Google and I in Baltimore Sky: The Story of Secret Surveillance. Those are weapons of war, by the way. Those those that eyes got um, equipment. That those, and and uh, facial recognition, they're weapons of war. I recognize yeah, that stuff yeah, from yeah. my military experience. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, Ross McNutt was a, a captain in the Air Force. Right, right. Ross McNutt, he has been trying to use this technology with other police departments in the U.S. The program is paid by for by John and Laura Arnold of Texas. 
is not allowed to fly in no city in Texas, Ohio, where he lives, or many other cities in the United States. He's not allowed to fly that plane. Well, there are brothers that say it'll cut down on crime if they fly it. And these are hard. Well, these are hardcore brothers in the hood. Well, we had brothers. We had brothers. The reason why we over here was slaves. <laughs> they had black right, people. That you was, you black got a point. I, hey, look, I can't argue. In that. I can't argue your points. I mean, you make a good point about all that stuff, and we can debate it all night. But, but we got to move on. So, okay, yeah. thank you. Thank you for calling. Call next week. Okay, let's bring up uh, Ross. Hello, this is Ross McNutt. How are you today, sir? All right, what's going on? I'm doing fine. I was just listening to the part of the show and uh, understand you had some questions about it. No, One no, one. not really. I, I have an opinion about it. Well, I have an opinion I'd about like Mr. To... Nutt. What I'm, what I'm saying is that, and I, and I get how this thing's supposed to magically um, help with our crime situation, but my thing is I'm a front-end kind of guy. I have a program myself. What I want to do is I want to put minority contractors to work rebuilding these uh, houses. Sell them at four dollars. Let me finish. Yes. Let me finish. Sell for, sell That's for a, a dollar. fantastic idea. Let me finish. Sell for a dollar and uh, give out 1% interest to the citizen to rebuild these houses. This, these houses are right. gold mine to restore this community. And then right. we want to have um, minority contracts in each house, small minority contracts in each house. We want to do a block at a time. We want to do a block at a time. Could, we want to train. We want to train. Let me, let me finish. We want to train young right. men out here slinging dope or whatever. In the trades to keep them out of the yep. criminal justice system. We want to do yep. front end stuff because a lot of this stuff is social economic in nature. The people aren't committing crimes because um, because they um, just ain't got nothing better to do. Some people are psychopaths, but most of them, if they had something that would provide them a living wage, they wouldn't be out here risking their life doing what they're doing. There's a lot of it's well, self destructive behavior because they have no opportunities. I, I understand, Dan, and I agree. But however, you got to stop the crime because you can't afford to invest a lot of money in houses when the house prices well, continue to go down this. because of the high murder rate. Okay. Now, one of the things that you mentioned, though, early on, one, I was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. I right, I was 20, a lieutenant colonel in the Army Reserve. Go ahead. Yeah, and... Uh, oh, oh, we dropped him. Okay. Well, well, he, he, he just we just dropped him for whatever reason. Now, <laughs> my thing about the eye in the sky... Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> my thing about the eye in the sky is, is that... Uh, I have my reservations about it because of my knowledge of the uh, the intelligence community and the black community. I have very extensive knowledge about that and how they've actually worked against um, the black community. Now, granted, yes, we want to stop the murders. My thing is, instead of out in the sky, why don't we have cops in the street walking the beat with their feet? You know, that would be, uh, to me, a, a better deterrent than having some um, airplane in the sky, you know, looking at the entire black community as if we're all criminals. We're not. I mean, we're not all criminals. I'm sorry. There are a lot of criminals in our community, and I had this, another sidebar discussion at the uh, at the town hall meeting where, um, you know, a guy was saying that we we you know our young people are criminals. I said, okay, well, how many? And this is what I do to people. I said, well, how many people? You got nephews and nieces? How many of them are out there slinging? Okay. Oh, this one's going to college. That one going to college. Okay. Well, how many? You just said all black young black people are criminals, but you're saying, and in my family, I know they are all criminals. So just start two families alone. We know that the majority of them are not criminals. So while we run around saying all black people are criminals, all young black people are criminals, we got to be very careful with that because we put stuff out there that's not true, for one thing, and others may hear it and actually believe it. So we, let's be very careful and, and analytical about what we say about criminality in the black community. There's criminals in the white community. There are more whites arrested for uh, arrested in this country than blacks. There's more of them. They're not angelic beings, people. 
there are more white folks that kill police than black people. Okay? So let's that's, that's not <laughs> look it up. Let's not just think that we're only people that commit crimes. Yes, we commit too many, especially murder. And we should commit none. But don't think that um, we don't have people committing crimes, all right, and that it's genetics. That's stupidity. It's because people feel like they have no opportunities, so they engage in self-destructive behavior like uh, selling drugs, which which um, gets them murdered and gets them to commit murder in a lot of cases in these drug gangs. And a lot of it's linked to the drug um, cartels. Okay, let's go, uh, let's go with uh, uh, Manny. He's been waiting a while. Yeah, great show, guys. Uh, I've never heard. You know what happened to that lady was a tragedy, man. That cop shooting that lady like that. Uh, you know, right, I've right. Never, but the guy, what, yeah. what, what, what made me um, upset was if that's my brother. I'm gonna tell you for sure. Mm-hmm. If that's my big brother, my brother is 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 um, hell of a nice guy. He's a minister. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a um, oh man, he's a, he's just a great individual. You know, he he he, he makes for, sure everybody in the family's uh, looked right. out after and, and everything else. If somebody had went into his house. And while he's sitting there eating ice cream and blasting a hole in his chest, wow. I would not be hugging them. I would be choking them. They'd be saying, I can't breathe 11 times by the time I got exactly. rid of them. You know, exactly. So, and no. I, and, I, and a lot of these black cops, they don't even say anything. They just, like. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You know? um, uh, black cops will shoot a black suspect, but i tell you one thing. You won't never oh. see one shoot a white. I, I just I was gonna say that I was gonna say that you never heard of black. <laughs> so a, a, they're caught up in that blue a, culture too. They've been yeah, sufficiently listen, brainwashed to to what, believe you know. That, you can, you, the, you'll never hear a black cop shooting an unarmed white guy. Yep. You know. You'll never it's hear like, about uh, that. You, and if you do never, hear about it, he'd be under the jail. He'll be under that jail. Exactly. Guarantee it. That's like that's that's like us, brother. That's like us. Have you ever heard of a black guy on the pawn shop or a gun shop? That's not going to happen. And what I want to say about roots, you know, when it comes. <clears throat> Let's talk. I like to talk about roots, and um, when it comes to our roots, man, a lot of us black people have the propensity or the tendency to behave in a particular way when they're with their white friends, man. When you see them with their white friends, they'll tell you, "I'll talk to you later." You know, roots are like this, man. It's okay to walk with white folks, talk with white folks. Eat with white folks, That's fine. drink with white folks, right. laugh with white folks, cry with white folks, sing with white folks, and dance with white folks. As long as you remember that your ass is black. Absolutely, don't get it twisted. Up, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What you're saying, a lot of this yes, stuff. Sir. Whites will tell you, I'm not racist because I have black friends. But yes. see, that does nothing as an individual. That has nothing to do with race. Uh, 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 the system of okay. racial white supremacy. Has nothing hey, to do with that. This system's in place hey, to keep us hey, in bro, check. Let me tell you this quick thing. And whether you know that you got a black friend personally has nothing to yeah. do with that system that's put in place to exactly. keep us in check and keep you privileged. Yeah, but what yeah. happened to me, man? I was on a cruise with my brother-in-law, uh, my my white brother-in-law, and not one time did he come over with me and the rest of my black buddies that were there. We went to the Cayman Islands. We okay, we're gonna have to finish up, Ken. We got we got a few more people on here. Oh, yeah, man. But you know what? He never spoke to us. He stayed with his white friends. Man. I mean, man, Manny concluded. We got a couple more people on, online. Oh, I'm sorry, man. And, and we okay, need to. Thanks, man. Great I show. appreciate you calling. Call next week, please, sir. Okay, let's go to uh, Ken. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm going to make a couple comments real quick. Sure. Uh, when, when you just made the comment about um, never seen a, a black guy shoot a white, a white person, cop. A black cop shoot a white uh, person. Yeah, it happened in Minnesota. 
And the thing about it is, we as black folks, we get treated differently in America, and we get policed differently in America. Okay, what happened? What happened to the black cop that shot the white cop in Minnesota? I believe he got time, and not only did he get time, I think he got ten plus years. Well, that's what I just said. I said I said that I qualified that by saying if he does do that, they're gonna put him under the jail. Right, but let me finish. Let me finish my statement. Okay, they rewarded the family with twenty to forty million dollars. Right. Quickly. Right. That don't happen now. All the people right. that get killed. <laughs> Freddie Gray is no twenty million dollars. Yeah, twenty to forty million, and they, they kept it hush real quick. Right. And they still going after that police officer. Right. And then what and they'll then tell you is that they'll say, and the Freddie Gray family has said this. Stop saying he's a, the son of a um, of drug addicts because it really don't make any difference. Suppose they ain't, ain't actually if you're a son of, of a drug addict when they shoot you down. They don't care. They see a black person. The police know? don't care when it comes to black people. All they got to do is say, my life was threatened. Or I felt like right. my life was in danger. Just like that guy that surrounded the Towson. You know, I could have put one in his leg. I've been in the military. I could put one in his leg that close. And I'm not trying to tell police how to do that job. But really, you got all these police officers around. Did you have to kill that guy, shoot him 20 times? Did you have to shoot him 20 times? <laughs> you know? And the guy that they shot 200 times over in the black community over here in um, uh uh, off near Fayette Street, they killed. Now, yeah, if you point the gun to the police, he has the right to kill you. When I'm it, saying that. When it does but, happen. But, but you don't you have don't to shoot somebody 200 times and injure an innocent bystander. And, and you know, that's why they called the chase off the other day. It was right. They, they were endangering the public. I'm but when we, when we do that, we don't need the judges hugging. I've never seen it before where the judge hugged the, the, the person on trial. Yeah, that's a, there was a lot of coonery and buffoonery going on in that court. Oh, respectable. They always make us look so bad. We're right. Black folks treat each now, other so Now, let bad. me ask you a question, Ken. If uh, sure. um, if the if the, if the roles were reversed and right. um, and the black cop, the black guy was the cop, and he walked into her apartment, and blasted her in the chest, would uh, her brother be be hugging him, saying, "Look, I forgive you." No. Look at how they go and. One more, one more thing. One more thing. I guarantee you. Go, go. If you think that guy is full of forgiveness. Go right on his go go to his car if he got one or wait till he get one and spray paint in purple because only people who drive purple cars are is Prince. But he's he's gone. Let me finish. Let me finish. Spray paint "I love you" on his car and see if he forgives you. That's all you gotta do when you tell some black people. (laughs) Wait for it. Well, look how they send us. Look at look at the way we get sent to jail when we do these things. Right. Right. Absolutely. All right. Let's let's go ahead and conclude, Ken. We're gonna move on. Okay, buddy. Thanks for taking my call. All right, go ahead. Uh, um, let's go to Alan. Alan, how you doing? How you doing, brother Tyrone? All right, sir. How you doing? You know, I was helping a guy, and the guy told me to go back to Memphis. You know, after the murder, I dealt with him all my, all my life. I ain't okay. never been uh, arrested. Clean clip. You know, right, and right, I got, right. I got a, a lot of, police. Alan, police. Alan, stop, stop. A lot of African Americans have never been arrested. Go ahead. No, but I'm just, I'm just saying what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm just talk to the audience. You know why? You know, the person that helped you, you don't like him. Like Dr. King, he gave us, uh, gave his life to us, and a lot of us, we still, you know, preparing this violence and stuff. You know why? I'm going to say this right here. You know, a lot of uh, people, when they get in uh, prestige, you never see a black guy, uh, you hear laugh at the white man jokes, and if it's a corny joke in the world, you saw that judge, uh, she went on Tamron Hall's show. She cried. I said, that's not a powerful judge. A lot of these black folks, when they get soft, and I, I, I don't even care about the John's uh, religion. I'm serious. I was uh, saying it's a courtroom. If I, I wanted to hear about their religion, either. I would have went to their church. Check okay. this out. Okay, all right. Make your point, Alan. Call Coonan. Call Coonan. Alan. Coonan. Yeah, Alan, go ahead. make your point, man. 
Make a lot of black folks are like, coos now in the government. You know, if uh, com that Commissioner uh, uh, Harrison, if they were white, they would have fired his butt. He just cooning. That's all. Okay. He's a appointee, right. uh, so vote him out of office Thanks. and get respect. That's the power to vote. He's a pew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we know that there are black people in politics that are not working in the interest of black people. And we know that. And uh, we'll talk about that next uh, week. Uh, <laughs> But um, yes, there. And then, and, and let me make this point before I bring Brown up. Let me make this point. Um, just hold on, Brown. Uh, the show's about to end, but hold on. Um, the town hall, okay, happened like as I said before. It happened in the black community. It happened at a historically black college. And um, my problem was the, was the, what the answer that the mayor gave. It wasn't so much he didn't show up. If he came out public and said, "I'm not going to go for it because of the." because of the uh, panel or whatever, because I had a problem with the panel, too. Here you have a cop, uh, uh, a former commissioner, Ed Norris. He's a convicted felon. He's a, the, the embodiment, the, the, the symbolic embodiment of crooked policing. And he's there, you know, demoralizing to us. You know, you have people on stage that had no effect on policy. Now, I did see um, Councilman Pinckney there, uh, but he wasn't on the panel, you know, unfortunately. And uh, he was nice enough to stick around and talk to me. Um, and uh, we had a long conversation. I gave him a copy of uh, one of the brochures about our program. Hopefully, he'll help push for it because it's a fair way to uh, execute housing policy in Baltimore, which hasn't changed. For the most part, we give a lot of stuff over to developers. And I don't care if you're a black developer or white developer. There's a whole lot of people like, oh, this black developer is doing this. You got to look at what they're doing now. Is this still going to result in uh, rental properties for black people or home ownership? Is it going to be affordable home ownership? That's the question you got to ask yourself. Because just because a black developer does it to you, that's like saying I'd rather I get beat by a white cop than a than a, a black cop. Oh, I'd rather get beat by a black cop. It's better. That's stupidity. If a black cop, if a black developer is doing the exact same thing the white developer is doing, gentrifying Baltimore at the expense of the black community and destroying the black community and all affordable housing stock in the black community, I have a problem with him too. It's not about race. It's about what's, what's happening to the black community. Okay, so let's not get it twisted because you do it with a black developer who may be fronting for the white supremacist uh, uh, cabal in Baltimore. No, it, it makes no difference to me. It's like saying I'd rather get beaten by a black police as opposed to a white police. The same result. And then Baltimore has more renters now than, since the housing crisis than homeowners. We, knew, we need more homeownership. And we need more affordable homeownership. They're saying you got to have uh, salaries of $70,000 a year now to afford a house in Baltimore. Homeownership is almost out of reach now. And this program will cause massive homeownership. I know it. I'll bet the mayor, again, I'll bet the mayor $2,000 it'll work. We just need a pilot to prove it. Okay, let's go to um, Brown. Hello? We got James, we got Brown. Go ahead, Brown. Br Brown. Friendship. Brown from saying town. Go ahead, Brown. Tyrone. Come on, man. Come the, on, bring the, it. The, look, the apprenticeship training program. Now, I have one registered with the state of Maryland. Masonry, carpentry. Okay. Rebar, excavation, okay. concrete. Okay. Right. Now, here's, here's the ratio. The ratio is four to one, meaning that I only can register one apprentice to every four craftsmen in order Absolutely. for that I, apprentice to be recognized right. and get their journeyman Got certificate. It. Got it. You see, now, now, Tyrone, you're a steam fitter. Uh, what, what you, Tyrone, plumber? I'm a master plumber, if you want to know. I'm a licensed master plumber. I'm a licensed, now, listen to me, so, listen to me. You ask mm -hmm. a question, my answer. I'm a licensed right. master plumber. I'm a licensed master gas fitter. I'm a licensed uh, master um, uh, 
um, HVAC tech. I also okay. did um, construction in the military. I was in the combat engineers. Okay, oh. so I have a vast array of skills, and I understand um, rebuilding of houses. To right. The point so, where so, I rebuilt several. So, so, I participated so, so, so in what is, several. So what is Go your ahead. ratio? Of journeyman okay, we gotta to make print, man. We I can't, I can't discuss the program. Go to www.baltimore4homes.com. But somebody, I'm gonna get this one call up real quick. No, I'm, I'm actually. What I, is the apprentice ratio for your for your for your master theme fitter and plumbing? Uh, for same same as what you're saying, four to four, one. Four, but, four, four, four to one. Right. And and the problem. That's with why that, we need blocks of houses. That's why that, we need blocks you know, of houses. I gotta go, James. Quickly, quickly, James. James. Hello. Go ahead, Hello? please, quickly. Yes, this is yes, this is James. This is summing up quickly. You have when you have a mass shooter that's a white man, they'll come out in handcuffs. Right. Every time he shoot thirty five people, they'll bring him out in handcuffs. Absolutely. And take him to I agree. You have a black person <laughs> that they ain't sure did anything. Well, if you ever got body bag, they come out in the body bag. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He don't even have to have a gun for him to come out that way okay, if he if he don't move the right way. Okay, people, we got to end the show. See you later, James. We got to go. Got to end the show, buddy. Thanks for your comments, and uh, thank you again for tuning in to another exciting edition of the Call Tyrone Show, and uh, uh, tune in next week for another informative edition of what's going on in our neighborhoods and solutions to these problems as well. And I thank you for your time. W-O-L-B Baltimore and W-E-R-Q-F-M HD3 Baltimore. Brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel.